Welcome to the One Life Maps podcast. Here's your host and co-author of Listen to My Life, maps for recognizing and responding to God in my story, Sharon Swing. Greetings, this is Sharon Swing with One Life Maps. I'm co-author of Listen to My Life, Maps for Recognizing and Responding to God in My Story, along with Sybil Towner. Hi. So glad you're here today, Sybil. Yes. And Joan Kelly, who is Director of Facilitator Development, because people use these Listen to My Life materials with other people, and she's the one that helps people to make that happen. Say hi, Joan. Hey, everybody. So glad to be together today. We are today going to be talking about this idea of being self-aware and God aware. And we're going to start because um, it's it's kind of an interesting idea that at least in my Christian upbringing, being self-aware was not necessarily something that was considered a virtue um, <laughs> in that way. And in Listen to My Life, we are looking at our stories. We're taking a deep dive into our stories, but for the purpose of being self-aware and God-aware and being able to recognize and respond to God in our stories. So we're going to start with a quote that Joan has for us. So this quote is from John Calvin. You can actually find it on page two of the My Life Story map, and it's going to sound really simple, but there's a lot there. (laughs) It says, there's no deep knowing of God without a deep knowing of self, and no deep knowing of self without a deep knowing of God. So if we break that apart, Sybil, what would you Mm -hmm. say? Well, <clears throat> the first thing that struck me as I looked at this, like um, like Electio, mm-hmm. is the aspect of knowing. And the deepest desire that we have, we say sometimes to love, to be loved and to love. But another way of saying that is to know and be known. Uh, I've had somebody say to me before when I have listened to them, you know me. I mean, that's what they feel, and that feels safe. Or God knows me, or I've come to know myself. So beyond a head knowing is what you're talking yes. about. Yes. Oh, it, it is really a deep knowing. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and the way it happens in our growing up, one of the developmental places in, in your early years, it's just about being beloved. And in, your, and in your elementary years, that part of knowing is about having competencies. It's really about being able to do things that you're known for ability and, uh, and that. And then... You're, you're actually, in your adolescent years, you're kind of known for your uniqueness. And then in your early, late teens, early 20s, that you're actually known in all of those being put together. So I think all of those can be in any one of those ages, but there's a developmental place of knowing. So a child loves being read to or prayers early. Now, now, there's one thing I want to tell you tonight. What did you tell your kids? How did they know that you loved them? What did you do? I held them. I looked them in the eye. I listened to them. 
um, read the books. Yeah. Yes. And you drew a heart. On oh, a heart on their hand. hand. Yes. When they went to school the first day. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, say I'm, more about that story, Joan. There's a children's story. Um, I don't know. I think I was introduced to it by one of the kids' first kindergarten teachers. And this little raccoon mama, her little baby was going to school and was scared the night before. And so she essentially said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I think she kissed the hand actually, but I, I did a little red uh, heart in the middle of their hand. So they had that with them as they went out the door. Nobody else knew that, but they knew in their heart of hearts that I loved them. And it was a physical way to show them that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so that, um, uh, there's no deep knowing of God without deep knowing of self. You were actually an incarnation of God's love to them, that you would, that they felt known, even though they were apart mm-hmm. from you. Mm-hmm. There was something that was given. Hmm. So this deep knowing of self peace. So let's look back to that in terms of from some Christian traditions, like the one I grew up in, that would be called navel gazing, or that would be called, uh, you know, like, I, I'm focusing on myself too much and not enough of, uh, well, of God. Selfish. And it was something to feel it was something to feel selfish and guilty about. And it was prideful. And looking prideful. essentially just looking in the mirror, right? And not looking mm-hmm. yes. beyond. And yeah. And so so why do you think it is that some Christian traditions they may not have come right out and said it. I mean, in where I was, they did. But, <laughs> but, uh, but why do you? How did you? How do you think that came to be? Honestly, um, uh, I don't know. Ex- except out of the only thing I can think of, we come out of the Protestant tradition, and so. What we, what we entered into over time was into a religion or a way of speaking about God that was centered in our heads mm-hmm. and that didn't dip into our hearts. Mm-hmm. And so it had a rigidity to it. Um, it uh, had a sense of I have to do things right or there is a right way to do them. And it didn't, it just didn't allow for the actual messiness of life. Failure was not embraced. I think growing up, there was a real emphasis on right thinking, you know, memorization of scripture, Mm -hmm. you know, which the memorization of scripture, because I went to the church's school and we always had scripture memorization and had to memorize lots and lots of verses and, and, and demonstrate that we knew them. And, um, that ended up being an incredible gift once I actually received the love of God for myself, um, to have all of that in my memory banks (laughs) was a beautiful, beautiful thing. But the, but the piece about right thinking, um, kind of, because that was lifted up so high, other things had to be subordinated to that yes. is kind of how I think about it in retrospect. And um, 
even I remember my mom saying at one point in time when she had, she had, she had really started to develop a relationship with God and she suggested to the people she'd been going to church with for decades, um, why don't we do a, do a Bible study and get together and pray together? And one of the ladies responded, well, um, we pray, we just don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there, there was this, there was this thing about praying about it would, would also mean that I had to be a little self-disclosing because I had then uh, that meant I had something that needed to be prayed about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, well. so if something needed to be prayed about, there must be something the matter with me. Exactly. I mean, so, it was, it so was kind of interesting. Yeah. So that, so that focus, Again, on right thinking and even right actions or right behavior. Oh, right. I mean, I I think knowing God for me growing up was knowing about God. Mm -hmm. And I was even rewarded for knowing about God, right? We had Sunday school pins, right? And that was based on, I mean, that was based on how much scripture I knew and how often I came to Sunday school. Right. Yes. But that was about knowing about him, which is a good thing. But Un- until we can figure out how to know him for ourselves, but but we weren't introduced to a way of knowing him ourselves and in the midst of our stories necessarily. In a personal but, way. I mean, yeah. and I'm talking about a way I interpreted what was handed to me. Right. Not everybody that grew up where I grew up probably process that the mm-hmm. same way I did right. no, necessarily. But, but what you say, Sharon, about right thinking, that's really the way uh, for a series of times. It's not so much today that that's really in many places has gone out and there's another sort of piece that's come in that has its benefits and its and its downsides. But in the time in, that, say, we were growing up in that right thinking, the teachers had the answers and we were to get the answers and and somebody made the funny joke that 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 whatever the question is the answer is jesus mm-hmm. at jesus and right. love and and so I, and i can remember seeing this way of teaching and i was and i was responsible for the christian education and i saw that young people did not know how to experience God. Mm -hmm. And that had been, I had experienced God. And so I went looking and a part of what I uncovered was, wait a minute, God was already in them. Mm -hmm. So this self-knowing, even at the younger ages, was wondering with them. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder what it's like when you wake up in the morning. Do you, do you ask God about anything? Mm -hmm. What do you say? And, and, but uh, but enter the enter the life of the child who already has a knowing and can express something and they even can express something that's hard so now some people like where i grew up um you couldn't know god until you crossed the line of faith which is um I interpret that very differently now than I did then, again, because of the fact that um, if God made people, like, let's go back to Genesis, and he, and, and he says in creation, it is good, it is good, and he gets to people and he says, very good, and that there is a piece of what God put in motion then that is present in me and in every 
every human being I have ever met, and in fact, every created being, every created animal, the trees, yes. everything, got it's God infused, it's God initiated in that kind of way. And so that changes the focus for me about what God has already put in motion is what is part of what you're responding to is that God already loves this person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and I don't need to fix you. them. I d- yeah. And it's so when we talk about being self-aware and God aware, it's, that's another way of saying that God is already infused in my story. I just may not have recognized it yet. It's, it's learning to pay attention and waking up again, like we talked, you know, in one of the other podcasts. So, so one of the beautiful ways of waking up and, and we do this, but, uh, but I just remember one of uh, Sharon's story with this, but when you're working with adults, which we're working with more adults than we are with children, but to invite them to go back and to say, when was God most alive to you mm-hmm. in your, you know, in your in your early life? And it doesn't matter whether they know God or not, because they they have a story, mm-hmm. and often that story connects to cre- creation. And sometimes it connects to relationships uh, somewhere, but often creation. Mm-hmm. At least there's a thought of, of that must be what God's like. Yes. You know, if, if, and it just doesn't seem like I've met a whole lot of people who have no, they don't, in their childhood, that, that the idea of God was absent completely. Yes. Um, it seems somehow baked in from the, the stories I've heard, but I might just be listening to a slice yes. of the of, of the world mm-hmm. population in that mm-hmm. kind of way. But um, yeah, yeah, there there's a beautiful story about a little boy. I never got to meet him, but I met his mother who came to work with me. But he was eight years old and he had cancer, and he passed away. And his parents went into his room and they found the Fisher Price. Um, tape recorder and that he had recorded in and they had never played it and they played it and here he is singing he's looking out the window god you're in the trees you're in the flowers i see you in the birds i i i mean it was worship this boy knew who he was in connection to god And that mother, I was teaching this way of being with children and with God that they knew God. Mm -hmm. She came and worked with me in the center that I that I founded. And from that, she taught thousands, Mm. thousands of children to listen, to listen to God and to know him. And also to know themselves. Mm-hmm. I, I really, it, it's one of the most tender, beautiful stories. But this eight-year-old boy outlived his life mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. into the lives of thousands of children. Mm. There's this, this idea that somehow we can know about God without knowing about how he is in us and created us and loves us and and how that plays itself out in our stories that I it, it's 
it's the difference between if if you want to talk about religion, you could mm-hmm. talk about what you want to know about God if you want to define it that way. But then there's this idea of of learning to be a, a spiritual being that recognizes and responds to God right here, right now in my story. And I understand what's competing with God for my Mm -hmm. attention. I understand what it looks like to feel a part of God's family and what it feels like to be in the midst of a conversation where, where God is in your midst and it it just stirs in you. And, Mm -hmm. and the, the stories of, of how people's lives unfold, like the one that, 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 that you just shared about this young boy in, in his way of recognizing God, because there is somebody who needs to hear that example today that's listening to this podcast about this boy looking out the window and saying, God, I see you in the trees. I see you in the birds. I see you. I, and, and, and just a, this boy's recognition that if we want to experience God, we don't have to look terribly far. No. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So, so what you actually begin with, this is, this is what I was drawn to. Children have the capacity to worship. That means to know God. Mm -hmm. It's, and you start with the heart. That's a little bit like the heart on Mm -hmm. the hand. Mm -hmm. Um, You start with the heart, then it goes to the head and the head is cognitively where you are at Mm -hmm. whatever age you are. And a part of our Christian formation has started with people, even adults, with their head and then trying to get it down to their hearts. Mm. But if you start it with their heart, if you start with their heart and then you move up to their heads. So the, the, the question, you know, that we ask somebody at a table, how do you know you're loved? Mm-hmm. How have you known that you're loved? That's starting with your heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not how do you know about love? Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. So that's why I saw that children have the capacity for joy. They have the capacity for grief, the same as any adult. Hmm. It's just they don't have language. And so I have to be willing to be with them in the space of really quiet. And they know how to express it with their body, too. Yes. You know. Yeah. And and you know what? They come back because Mm -hmm. they know that they're known. Mm-hmm. I, I just... Well, there isn't so much to unlearn either. Mm-mm. No! <laughs> you know, the other thing that's coming to mind is I think about this quote and what you are describing here. There's there's like this glancing back and forth between yes. you and God. It's you yes. looking to God, but then receiving his gaze back at yes. you. As I read this quote, yes. and then as that happens, that just feels stronger the more I do that. It's it's like that attunement that happens when you're holding like a little baby and, and they're old enough, like the, you catch their eye and, and they catch yours and you're like, oh my goodness, something is happening here and this is a six-month-old infant. Okay. So, yes, so, so that knowing you can take a risk. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and even... Uh, even some of us a little older, if we live with that gaze back and forth, mm-hmm. we're we're actually open to saying something mm-hmm. that we might not have otherwise said, mm-hmm. or we're actually willing to explore a way of being that we wouldn't have otherwise been able to do, because the essence of who we are actually can't not come out. Yes, yeah, it's it it is 
just a reflection of, of our being at that point. And so, I mean, once again, this quote is, there is no deep knowing of God without a deep knowing of self and no deep knowing of self without a deep knowing of God, Mm -hmm. that there is a symbiotic relationship between these two ideas of self-knowledge and knowledge of God that are so inextricably intertwined that to know of God without the experience of understanding or some kind of of stirring of how God has been active in my life and what he's up to, that this is the essence of the spiritual life, that this is a, uh, a way, you know, the subtitle of, of Listen to My Life is Maps for Recognizing and Responding to God in My Story. And we keep saying it over and over again that that's what this yes. is about. Because if we can recognize and respond to God in my story, then I can know love. I can know purpose. I can know forgiveness. I can release guilt and pain. And I can be alive with God, recognizing that he wants to live in me and through me for the benefit of the world around me. Yes. And that's the storyline. Yes. And so one of the things that's implied here is community. Because the church is the body of Christ. So there is no deep knowing of God without the body of Christ. Yeah, and I mean, we could get a whole into a very yeah. long conversation about what it, what does it mean for the church to be the body of Christ, and yet the essence of of that is that it we can't know ourselves without being in relationship with others. You know, as Dan Allender would say, we can't see our own faces. It's yes, it's someone who sees us. Mm-hmm. Someone um, uh, again. I, I used to I used to say to teachers of little ones, it has to be the same teacher in the young rooms. You have to know those children. When the parents pick them up, you must give an anecdote. When your baby cried, I knew they needed to be changed. I want you to know them, and the parents will bring them back. This is about knowing them. And this is about loving them. And the parents are growing and in growing in their relationship with God. And the children are growing in their relationship with God. But it happens in the context of community. Mm -hmm. The way we speak, the way we help people discover their gifts, the way we take them in. I I mean, it just, and we, the way we come to the table, but the church that reflects the body of Christ. And, And this doesn't just happen in a church building. And no. it is, it is a way of being together and a way of sharing our stories. And especially the more stories I hear from people w- that have wildly different backgrounds than my own, have mm-hmm. different skin colors, yeah. have different ethnicities, grew up in other places in the world. The more I hear their stories that are significantly different than my own, you know, this, this, I know there's a popular phrase of my truth. Well, my truth isn't 
much <laughs> in terms of when you start encountering the stories of others, you get a, a God-informed glimpse of another story that God is active in. And you start to understand that the way I see my story isn't the only way to see everything. Right. Our perspective broadens, right? Mm -hmm. Every time yeah. we sit across the table and hear a story, I mean, my perspective yes. of God, my perspective of myself, my perspective of the world gets bigger yes. because I've sat with you all here for the right. last, you know, however many minutes. Right. I, I, my niece, Joy, she's, um, she's starting a, a podcast as well, and she's interviewing a lot of different people. And um, one of the things that she was, she was interviewing um, a grandmother, a mom, and a, and, and a granddaughter together. And the granddaughter is the person that she went to, to school with. And her grandmother was a sharecropper. And she was asking about her story. And she was asking about, you know, pictures and mementos from, from uh, generations that had mm. gone before and all. And, and the grandmother said, oh, we don't have any pictures. We don't have any mementos. We, 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 we don't even know what our names were before because... because you know, was taken it, away. my my people were, were my family were slaves, and so it's it's part of the taking away of the history, mm -hmm. and so that even having a scrapbook, having photographs, knowing your family's name, is a privilege. That is, you know, I mean, and and you apply that to to my story. And and all and you go, okay, my truth, quote unquote, you know, in in quotes, it's like <laughs> one little tiny slice of what God is up to in yes. the world, and we are richer for yes. knowing those stories and recognizing what is what is in play in terms of the redemption of of our stories individually but collectively what does that look like and so that we can look at god devoid of our own story it just seems somehow impossible to me right. well then we then we devoid other stories we diminish so the more we embrace the whole of who we are every aspect the more and and we even embrace what I would call the enemy within us, the, the parts of us that we just are at odds with, then we become able, much more able to be with another in a, in a centered, um, present, open space. And a person can choose to share what they want or what they don't want. There is not a demand. There is just an accepting presence, mm -hmm. and and that that only comes if you work uh, if you engage the work of your own story. Mm -hmm. If you engage, and then the principles of 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 actually, you use the word in, in another place of gratitude, but come to the aspect of the beginning of creation that all of life is a gift. Mm -hmm. And what have you that you did not receive? Why do you boast of it as if it were not a gift? So 
So when I begin to see that then I in myself, then I begin to see it in others. I begin to see God as the giver of every good gift. I'm even able to see the wounds as the place where he drew him, drew me to him. Mm-hmm. They are not they are not uh trashed. They are used for good. And so I just see there isn't anything that God cannot use. So, you know, he work. I mean, that's Romans, Romans 8. He works all things for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Yeah, so that's where we stand in terms of the fact that life story is a spiritual practice and that there is no knowing of God without knowing of self and no knowing of self without the knowing of God. And we just want to invite you into um, a process that will help you to sort that out because we're all sorting out our stories. That's a topic for another podcast. But uh, we need to be able to dive into that and and dig in deep to the realizations of what we need to take with us, what we need to leave behind from our stories and, and get closer to this, this idea that we can recognize and respond to God in our stories past and in the present right now, and also then have hope for the future if that happens. So thank you, Joan Kelly. Great to be with you all. Thank you, Sybil Towner. And same here. Great to be with you. And this is Sharon Swing signing off for the One Life Math po- Maps podcast. Please consider joining us. Um, you can you can buy the materials online at onelifemaps.com. And, and um, you'll hear a little outro here that has all the rest of the information. There is a virtual coaching group that will start January 8th of 2021. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be 2021. Maybe some of us are ready to put 2020 behind us, though. (laughs) (laughs) Many blessings, everyone. I hope you're well. Bye-bye. This podcast is sponsored by OneLifeMaps.com, creators of unique visual life mapping materials titled Listen to My Life, Maps for Recognizing and Responding to God in My Story. Go to OneLifeMaps.com to purchase your Listen to My Life portfolio of visual life maps. While you're there... Check out our upcoming virtual coaching groups, live workshops, and options for you to facilitate the Listen to My Life experience with others. That's onelifemaps.com. O-N-E-L-I-F-E-M-A-P-S dot com. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. You can help support this podcast and the work of One Life Maps by supporting us on Patreon. Go to www.patreon.com slash onelifemaps to pledge $5 or more per month and get weekly audio meditations to help you recognize and respond to God in your story. Thank you for tuning in to the One Life Maps podcast. Until next time, make the most of this one life that you've been gifted. Mm-hmm.